Hockey Flow. I'm pleased to share it with Adam Boucher and Marco D'Amico, and you can find all of their excellent work on Twitter. Adam can be found at really Adam B, and Marco can be found at The Hockey Expert. I'm Major Cordero. I'm here to take you on this wonderful journey that is the hockey season. As it comes to a close, and all the playoff starts are now getting locked in. But first, we're going to start off with the newest addition to the NHL teams list, and that is the Seattle Kraken. Adam, take us away. What do we need to know? So basically what happened in the last couple of days, the Seattle Kraken became uh, officially joined the NHL. Uh, basically, their, their owners issued the, the last, the final payment for them to officially become the 32nd franchise in, in the league. And so basically, as of now, they can start signing free agents. They could start making trade. They're basically, they're a real team as of now. Um, so that was the the biggest news in in the recent past couple of days and now it it kind of made us think of who might be on the move as of now as as of the end of the season actually so we know that there will be an expansion an expansion draft similar to what the the Vegas Golden Knights had a couple of years back um so yeah marco wanted to lead us off on a couple of players that could be changing address or we, we actually just received news from uh, Milan Lucic, who just agreed to waive his, his uh, no-trade clause, right? Yeah, well, I mean, this is, going to, uh, this is going to allow the Calgary Flames a little bit more flexibility. I actually, just for the fun of it, I, 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 yesterday, Cap Friendly has a nice uh, expansion draft simulator where you can actually go in and pick the protection lists for all 30 teams that are involved in the expansion draft, seeing as Vegas is, is exempt. Um, so, you know, it, it was a little interesting to look at Calgary's situation. Having a guy like Milan Lucic wave is really good for them, but it also leaves, you know, it, it, it could lead to exposing, you know, a, a quality player. They may lose, you know, a, a Shillington, uh, maybe a Michael Backlund, uh, if they decide to protect, you know, other guys like a, like a Manjapane or a Dylan Dubé over, uh, the older veterans. So it's, uh, you're going to see a lot of this. This isn't the, you know, we saw with, uh, with Vegas where uh, they asked a few of the veterans to waive their no movement clauses. It's going to be very interesting to see what veterans waive their no movement clauses. And further to that, if any of those veterans that do waive their no movement clauses, uh, how many of them, uh, how many of them would uh, ultimately be picked? That's what I find to be uh, more intriguing. And it's it's also it's gonna be interesting to see. You said like Lucic waived his his no trade clause. He still has a cap hit of of five point two million. Uh, uh, sorry, six million AAV. So that's that's a big like big chunk of money to take on for for that type of player. There's like we saw Vegas had a lot of a lot of the quality players they got were in deals, uh, made with other teams. So you're you're not gonna touch. X, Y, and Z players in exchange. We're going to give you picks and and this player. First that comes to mind is William Carlson from uh, from Columbus. Uh, we also had guys like um, Marcheseau from uh, Florida. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, and also, how many? Because the Kraken are going to have to pick some big salaries to fill up their their cap space, right? But it's going to be interesting to see how many they get. Uh, so would you? even touch Lucic at a six million cap it if you were to crack in or oh no he's no not at all not at all I think there's more valuable pieces 
on the roster uh, for Calgary that 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 Seattle could take. I mean, realistically, uh, Seattle is in for 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 quite some fun. Uh, so it, it should be it should be pretty you know fun for them to be able to pick from it. And I think it's going to be a little bit more. Uh, how would I say hot and heavy because when Vegas came into the league, the caps, the cap was consistently increasing, right? Now it's flat and we know it's flat for at least another two years. So what is that going to do for them? What is that? What is, what are they going to turn around and do? Are they going to use their cap space to bail out teams and then simply just pick, you know, like the minimum salary guys that are, you know, young players that are just about to to break into the league. There's a few teams that are going to be caught like that. You take a look at uh, a team like like Calgary. There's there's Oliver Shillington. You look at a team like the Anaheim Ducks. Um, they have too many guys on defense. You know, are they going to protect um, Shattenkirk, Lindholm, and Fowler? Leaving you know uh, Hayden Flurry exposed, Larson exposed. Uh, you know, how's that going to work? So. It's going to be very interesting because they can go about this many ways where they can help these teams that were unprepared for the reality that COVID brought on that no one saw coming and uh, could potentially bail them out with, you know, a little bit of a sweetener. So I think Seattle's in the driver's seat. And if, if, if Ron Francis plays his cards right, I mean, I, they, could be, they could be pretty competitive for a pretty long time. As of now, the feeling I get from from their expansion draft is they're gonna have a is and then again, it's just my feeling. I, I feel like they're gonna get a less competitive team than than Vegas got a couple of years back. But then again, I'm looking at some of those those mock expansion drafts. We see the the bigger names on 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 offense would be guys like Van Riemsdyk, T.J. Oshie. Uh, you don't have those big superstar players that that you, you saw Vegas get, so I don't know where they're going in terms of forwards. Uh, I don't know if you have any players in mind that like that come to mind right away. But on defense, I see them like as you said, gaining like a a, a good young decor. Like I've seen names like Will Butcher from uh, New Jersey, Kale Foot from Tampa Bay. Even Tampa Bay, they have so many defense. They're for sure gonna lose a valuable piece. Um, even Eric Chernak too, yeah. Also, so it's uh, there's also in the the point I wanted to, to to touch on was in Nets. Who do you go for a big like big contract goalie? Who do you go for? We we saw it's gonna be we're gonna touch on it later in the episode. But the Panthers they have Spencer Knight who just started his career four and zero, and they have guys like Drieger. They have guys like. Montembeau, they have guys, they have a Bobrovsky, a 10 million Bobrovsky. So do you see like a big contract goalie possibly on the move with the expansion draft? Um, I wouldn't be wise unless they were incentivized to do so. I think that's, that's key for me. And I think that at the end of the day, when you look at stuff like this um, and you assess the situation, um, Ultimately, at the end of the day, for me, when it looks at Seattle, you're going to go for the best value asset, right? Or the best package of value assets. And I think that that's what a lot of people need to keep into consideration is that they're not necessarily looking for the best player. They're looking for the best outcome. And that's what's key. So if they 
turn around and take a goalie, like a high-priced goalie, for example, Bobrovsky in Florida, it will require a few things. One, Bobrovsky has to agree to waive his no-movement clause because he, he has one too. Uh, two, uh, Florida is going to have to give a plethora of assets to, to make that happen because Bobrovsky has not lived up to that contract. And three, Seattle's going to have to want to do it. I don't see why they would. Like, Jake Allen will probably be available, and he's been better than Bobrovsky has this season. Uh, Braden Holtby will be available, and none of them will be signed. Will be a, will, will, you'll have to worry about past a year or two. Heck, even, um, even Kudubin might be available, seeing as a guy like Ben Bishop has a no-movement clause. So... There's a lot to take in there. Um, and you have to make sure that you, you know, you're, you're smart about it and you don't blow all your cap space right away because yes, they're an expansion team, but uh, you want to be as competitive as possible. As we've seen, uh, investing in your backend so heavily, especially right off the start, is not necessarily something you want to do unless it falls right in your lap like Marc-Andre Fleury did for Vegas. So uh, no, I wouldn't force it. At all. Uh, if I were Seattle, I would spend most amount of my assets on defense. The reason being de- defensemen and centers. The reason being is that those two positions are the most valuable positions and easily the ones that they can turn around and trade should they have an excess at either position during the offseason to teams that are looking to compete now. So interesting. Uh, and it's going to be a wide open situation. Uh, I look forward to seeing how this expansion draft goes down because I believe the buyout period is right before if we base ourselves on, on what the buyout period look like on a regular calendar with Vegas. So if that's the case, then it's going to be even more interesting because some teams may simply just buy out players, uh, especially those that don't agree to waive their no movement clauses, uh, as we've seen in the past, uh, just buy them out in, in that sense uh, and then just, you know, move on with your protection list but it's going to be very fun i in in my honest opinion i think it's going to be an exciting summer uh from a cba perspective you're gonna have to draft you're gonna have this well i mean the bio period the expansion draft the draft and then free agency i think it's going to make for some really fun times let's now jump to the nhl standings and of course the playoff race many teams have clinched and many more are fighting for the last few spots marco lead us off what do we need to know the Honda West division is one heck of a division right now. I mean, if you look at the standings, uh, it's been pretty much the same, give or take. Uh, we already pretty much know who's going to be, you know, at the top of that division since we've been pretty much hammering, been hammering it to death uh, since the start. So let's quickly go over it. Uh, we have Vegas and Colorado uh, at the top. But really, and we've been saying this is a broken record. Uh, the Minnesota Wilds are right there with them. You know, Vegas, 74 points, 51 games. Uh, Colorado, 72 points in 50 games. And you have Minnesota with 70 points in 51 games. Just out of this world uh, for me. And then the St. Louis Blues, who are basically limping into the playoffs. Uh, although they've really turned it around lately, they've gone 6-3-1, and one, while the closest rival, the Arizona Coyotes, are going 3-6-1. and one. Uh, so, you know, trending upwards at the right moment. Uh, I think that division is pretty much done. I think it's Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota, and St. Louis. 
Vegas versus St. Louis in the first round, Colorado versus Minnesota in the first round. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. Um, beyond that, I think that this division from the beginning, I think we were all pretty straightforward on who we thought was going to make the playoffs. I think the only major surprise is that Minnesota sits in the third seed. And that's a tough division to get out of. If, if you're making the playoffs in that top four, like you're finishing, let's say Vegas finishes first. They're playing against the, the uh, Stanley cup champions for two, from two years back, the St. Louis blues. And we, we all know how that went that year. They just turned it on at the right moment. And they, they won in that second, second part of the season. So that's, wow, that's definitely a big, I, I would almost like to play Minnesota more than St. Louis. It's, I know Minnesota's had a crazy good season, but that's, that's definitely going to be a tough division and potentially have four teams that could win the cup if they get out of this division. So it's going to definitely be uh, interesting to see and to watch. I mean, we've, this has been a fluid conversation since we started, but it's just, it is to me, the biggest uh, issue here, the biggest, the, the biggest sadness I feel for are the Arizona Coyotes, man. Think about this for a second. They're going to miss the playoffs and they don't, their first round pick is going to get deleted. Right. Think about that. There's only going to be 31 first round picks this year, which everyone's going to be like, yeah, that's normal. Yeah. But there's 32 teams. So, You know, everybody that's behind Arizona in the standings are just going to move up a, a, a spot. And it really sucks uh, because they're kind of in no man's land right now. And I, I really feel for them because the best thing to come out of this season was the incredible growth of Jacob Chitrin uh, and beyond that, you know. And yeah, I think a guy like, you know, Oliver Ekman Larson, um, you know, maybe they revisit the trades. Uh, the trade to Vancouver, maybe they look into that with some expiring contracts in Vancouver. Maybe they see if they can make it work. But for me, uh, you know, I think something's got to give for them. And I think they they need a significant boost in youth. Uh, they have some good, some younger players that could potentially come into their lineup. But, you know, when you look at what's in this division, Los Angeles and Anaheim, those, te those two teams are on the up and up. So it could be really hard for them to, to keep up. Oh, wait a minute. I'm so sorry, guys. Arizona's going into the Central next year, so they won't have to worry about Los Angeles and Anaheim. My bad. Just sucks for Arizona, though. Turning our eyes now to the North, let's look at the North Division. And pretty much we have two spots already sewn up, right, Adam? So, yeah, the first two teams basically a lock at this point. Uh, now it's all about order. We have uh, Montreal and Winnipeg. Montreal with their win last night in overtime um, over Toronto actually has the same amount of points, same amount of games played as Winnipeg. So it's it, it looks like it's going to come down to the wire for that uh, third and fourth spot. Um, I mean, and that's, that's, Montre that's Montreal doing it without four or five core players. So that's, that's very impre impressive. And This division is ridiculous. Just from the, just from the start, it is absolutely insane, this division. Like, I, I, Adam and I were talking about this the other day, but what the heck is going on with Winnipeg? Losers of seven straight, record in their last 10 games of two and eight. I mean, they've only, the only player that's injured right now, I believe, is Ehlers. 
I mean, obviously, like Blake Wheeler was injured uh, for a little bit before that. I understand Adam Lowry uh, was a little bit banged up as well. Everybody's banged up at this point of the season. I don't think anybody's really 100% healthy. But to go down that bad, that hard, that quickly, like they were second in the division, like right up against Toronto. And they just lose Nick Ehlers and everything's out of whack now. Like, holy moly. Uh, Montreal is tied with Winnipeg. Uh, So Winnipeg has the advantage because of wins. And obviously also the second tiebreaker of having more wins over Montreal than Montreal has over them. But I still... I still find this ridiculous. This is, uh, I mean, Montreal, give, you know, given their their current situation, Montreal has got, a, their, I think, their first three-game win streak of the um, in the last, like, couple of months. So, you know, they're riding a high while Winnipeg is, is really limping into the playoffs. And, you know, if you're the Edmonton Oilers right now, like, you're hoping that Winnipeg wins the odd game here or there and is man- manages to outpace Montreal because the Winnipeg Jets look like they're going to be easy prey in the playoffs at this point. Like it's even if people are like, Oh, it's a, you know, it's, it's doesn't mean anything. They probably, they probably know it's a done deal and they're just coasting at this point. Momentum is everything in the playoffs. If you don't go into the playoffs with a winning record, chances are you're not going to make it. Like, I'm sorry. Like if you're not, if you're not writing the coattails, of, of a strong movement, then chances are you're, you're, you know, you'll be golfing pretty damn soon. So, you know, if, if I'm Edmonton, I would much rather play Winnipeg uh, than Montreal. Montreal has had Edmonton's number pretty much all year. Uh, obviously it would deprive us of a much needed 42 year drought of Montreal versus Toronto in the playoffs. But who knows? Maybe they would meet in the second round should Montreal uh, be able to conquer Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. Who knows? But this is this is now a question of where will these teams finish? Not a question of who's going to make the playoffs. I think Montreal and Winnipeg, uh, although they've played one more game than Calgary, uh, they sit 10 points ahead of Calgary. Uh, Calgary would need to win Every single game from here on out, they have six games left. Every single game from here on out um, to get them to 59 points. So it, it should Montreal or Winnipeg win? Well, I, sh- I think should Winnipeg win a game and should Montreal get a, a win and Calgary not win their next game, uh, then that's it. Then we pretty much know who's the, 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 those four teams have qualified. So uh, to me, it's a little bittersweet because I, 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 I think it's pretty much a done deal. Like Calgary essentially just has to lose one. It's over. The done deal pretty but much. It, yeah. Which they, they could next game against Winnipeg also. So you see, I'm kind of hoping they beat Winnipeg. I'm kind of hoping they win because so that it comes down to the wire. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. Because ultimately I think Calgary will lose a few games to Vancouver I think at this point, Montreal just needs to keep winning games, period. I don't care if they go to overtime. They just need to accumulate points. Get to 60 points, you're in the playoffs, right? I feel like 60 points in a 56-game schedule is just a shade over 500. I think it's it's like 575 or something is a win percentage. So, yeah, just get there and you're set. And 
if Calgary can continue to hold down Winnipeg as Montreal would, you know, pass them in the standings, then that's a two and one for me. So, you know, at, at this point, I'm I'm very down with Winnipeg continuing to drop in the standings and playing Toronto in the playoffs. I really want to see Winnipeg versus Toronto in the first round because Winnipeg plays a very hard style and that clashes with Toronto. And we've seen that because they Toronto has had difficulty with bigger teams like Boston or Columbus in the past. So it should be very interesting. I, I honestly, the, the North division is not lacking in drama. So, And when it comes to Montreal, it's so weird to think we would we wish to face Edmonton. Like you wish to face McDavid and Drysaitel in a seven series game. Like it, it makes no sense. hundred percent. But it makes I no sense. It's like, do you get Matthews and Marner or do you get McDavid Drysaitel? It's like it's it's two teams I wouldn't want to face in in a playoff match. But here you're like wishing you're getting the best score in the league who's who's breaking records. So it's like. It's a weird moment for Montreal, but we'll see what happens in that division as we move forward. Turning our attention now to the Central Division, the Predators are holding on by the skin of their teeth, or in this case, I guess the skin of their fangs. Right, Marco? Yes, they have the game in hand on on Dallas, but I think it's too little too late at this point. I think that, uh, you know, if they... It sucks because they, they, they yesterday they, they you know it was a it was a tight game it was a tough game and Tyler Sagan coming back and scoring in his first game back like I found it was really cool and I liked what I saw from them but at the end of at, at the end of the line I think that Nashville's surge halfway through the season I think that solidified their spot in the playoffs I mean for Dallas to make it everything has to go wrong for Nashville everything so i just i don't see it um but you know it dallas had the opportunity i think they played nashville uh twice over the last week and a half and couldn't get it exactly and couldn't get it done so you know to me there is no bigger uh you know uh quote unquote you you have your destiny in your hands situation in the way that the NHL schedule is set up this year. You literally play the people that you are directly competing against constantly for a playoff spot. So you had the opportunity. There's no excuses this season for me. So the only team really that has an excuse is Dallas because no number one center for the entirety of the year. Rupe Heinz had to basically emerge out of out of the the rubble and and char. Uh, and, and, you know, without your, your, basically your number one. And, um, you know, this is a team that also lost players along the way, like Alex Radulov. So injuries cost Dallas this year, unfortunately. And it's, it's another division where it's going to be interesting to see, like, how, how fun would it be to see the two uh, Florida teams in round one? And then you would see Nashville, Carolina, just the weirdest playoff series series we've seen in a while just because you're not used to seeing them compete for a whole season and look it's definitely going to be uh, fun and here again we have have three teams four teams maybe that could even make a push for the cup if they come out of this division so definitely uh it's going to be interesting to look forward and I, and i know we keep talking about like playoff teams and whatnot right and looking at the playoff race but There is one team in the Discover Central that I'd like to hone in on because there are serious problems with this franchise 
And we're going to have to get some answers in the offseason. That is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, their last 10 games, they have one regulation win. Or actually, one win total. One, five, and four. So a total of six points in 10 games. That's uh, that's pretty bad. I'm just, a total uh, in 20 points, they get a maximum of six points. So I'm not uh, very impressed with them. Uh, Liney playing on the fourth line. Domi being bounced around the lineup. Uh, there's no stability. I, I, to me, I, I think that if Jarmo Kekalainen comes back with uh, Tortorella next year, I think that's a colossal mistake. I think that Columbus has made it, made it known that, unfortunately, their competing window that they thought they had just simply isn't there. Uh, and outside of scoring a massive trade in the offseason, which I sincerely doubt because they their best trade ship was traded for Liney, whose value probably depreciated playing for the for the for the Blue Jackets. I I don't see it. I think Columbus is gonna blow it up real soon and go through a real full rebuild. Uh as long as they can lock up one of Warensky or Seth Jones long term, um, I think they'll be able to get through it. But I, I think you're gonna start seeing some names leave. Max Domi being one of them. I feel like all big names leave leave Columbus. So at this point, if, well, it, I mean, if it's not is, the coach, isn't that the joke? if it's not the coach, the problem just blow it up. I think it's the coach and the players. I think it's the coach and the players that are going to go. But then again, your core from a couple of years back is not there anymore, and they still have the same problems. So just just change the coach and and blow it all up at this point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look they they have got they've got a, a little group of young players. Um, they got a couple of uh, solid picks during the trade deadline. I mean, uh, David Savard netted them a first round pick, right? A first and a third. And I believe uh, Foligno also netted them the Leafs first round pick. So they have three first round picks in this draft. Remember when everybody was laughing because they would have like, they, they didn't have any picks in any draft because they went for it one year. Well, now they have three first round picks. Guaranteed two of them are going to be in the later end. Obviously, this is Tampa Bay and Toronto. Uh, I think they're like two and three in the standings right now. I could be wrong. Hold on. League-wide, uh, they are four and six in the standings right now. And that that's besides like playoff success, although I wish none to either of those teams. Um, when you look at overall, uh, you know, Columbus has the pieces in place uh, to be able to do a proper rebuild and continue to liquidate some assets. Uh, the biggest question mark for me, uh, Adam, I'm going to be very honest with you, is going to be Patrick Liney. What are they going to do with Patrick Liney? Because I, th- I don't think Patrick Liney is going to want to play there. I think he's going to ask for a trade again. That's my honest opinion. Unless Tortorello is fired. And from there, we turn to the final division of the East. And the reason why we left the East for last is because everything's kind of already sewn up. Well, for that division, I would just love to see Boston finish second and flip with Pittsburgh so we would see Washington Pittsburgh in round one that would just be I think maybe one of the final playoff series maybe not final but one of the last OV versus Sid type of playoff series so yeah that's uh and then again the 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 team that gets the Islanders in, in a playoff series is even though it's the fourth team, the final team in that division, it's not an easy task. We, I think we mentioned right before trade deadline when they acquired Palmieri and um, and Zajac that the Islanders have playoff, they have cup contender depth. 
So it's going to be interesting to see, but definitely uh, another good uh, playoff se- couple of playoff series uh, lining up in that division. I mean, yeah, I, I'm just very interested, and we talked about this before the show. I just, I'm more excited to see where the chips fall than anything else. I think we already know what's going on. Um, you know, everybody's clinched. Uh, you know, I, as we talked about before, I think this story of this of the Mass Mutual East was essentially the existing guard of of veteran teams, contending teams, uh, coupled with you know, three rebuilding teams and the Philadelphia Flyers. I think that's the best way you can make out this division. I think similarly to Columbus, I think the Philadelphia Flyers are going to clean house on certain veterans this year. We'll see what happens. And now from there, let's move to Block C, where we keep all the extra stories that you need to know in the hockey universe. And let's start off with this man, Mr. Knight. Every night is his night, apparently. Spencer Knight, four wins in four appearances for the Florida Panthers, besting Kerry Lettinen's record before him. Marco, take us away. I mean, first of all, if you're Florida Panthers fans, you're thinking, what in the holy heck was Florida thinking under Dale Talon two years ago when they drafted this stud? That's what he is. He's a stud. And then a week later signing Bobrovsky to an eight-year, $10 million deal. I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it. I am flabbergasted by the very thought, but it is what it is. Now, before anybody starts saying, oh my God, you know, what a great goalie. He's got four wins in his first game. Obviously, he's playing in front of a team that's firing on all cylinders, people. Like, I'm not going to take anything away from Spencer Knight. I think Spencer Knight is the top... Top three best goalies prior to March that wasn't playing in the NHL. So I, I love Spencer Knight. Where I have issue is the way that people are talking about his performances. His performances are not that impressive. He is playing adequately, yes. But he, in his last two games, he was he's essentially allowed seven goals on 56 shots. That's not good, guys. That's that's like an eight point, like a a point eight seven percent save percentage. That's that's not quite good. Where I find he is good is he battles regardless. We know that Florida doesn't have the best defense in in the world, especially with Aaron Ekblad being out. But it is intriguing to see the Florida Panthers give him this time, despite having Drieger, despite having Montembeau, despite having Bobrovsky. Uh, and I think that's more telling than anything else. He's a young 20-year-old goalie. As we saw with Carter Hart, let's not get ahead of ourselves with goaltenders performing well right off the bat. More often time than not, it's a result of the team that's in front of them. We've seen this with Carey Price. We've seen this with Brzezgalov. We saw this last year with Shesterkin. He had a more difficult time this year. Um, we see it from time to time with Sorokin, uh, with the Islanders. And now we're going to see it with Spencer Knight as well. And you'll more than likely see with Askarov when he comes for, over from, from Russia and plays with Nashville, who may or may not be in the midst of a rebuild at that point. So it's important to not run away with the goblet when it comes to young goaltenders hitting the ground running when they come into the league. It's important to see how they play. Spencer Knight has a lot of things to work out. Uh, and I sincerely hope that the Florida Panthers don't think that because he's played well two games, one full game, 80 full minutes 
out of 200 uh, that, that, you know, that's grounds to getting rid of Bobrovsky and running with Spencer Knight for the rest of the, for the next 15 years, like allow this kid to grow and mature and you won't regret it because uh, Montreal Canadiens fans will tell you this. Philadelphia Flyers fans are going to tell you this. Don't rush young goalies, uh, especially with the talent that these guys have, because it might bite you. Game-winning overtime goals, back-to-back, baby. It's the Cole Caulfield story. Write that Disney script right now. Adam, sharing the joy. I'm honestly, I, I'm still speechless from last night. Back-to-back overtime goals, his first two NHL career goals, and the second one coming against Toronto. Honestly, it's... Uh, wow. And he has... Uh, important to note, also, he has four game-winning goals in seven pro games between the AHL and the NHL. That's pretty... That's 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 a goal scorer, right? A natural goal scorer. And just the the way he... Like, he scores goals, but just the way he plays, is he's just such a good player. And I'm sure Marco has a lot to say on him as well. But his shot, man. His shot is... It, it makes no sense. The guy is, he's like 5'7". He's, he's the smallest player on the ice and has the most lethal shot. So it's just, it's crazy to see. His shot, amazing. Um, overall, I think his play is more impressive. A lot of people will look at the way he shoots. And I mean, that's like calling rain wet at this point. I mean, Caulfield's shot is, is just... I think by next the end of next year, I think it might be top three in the league. It's Matthews, Marner, uh, sorry, Matthews, uh, Ovechkin, maybe for shots. Like he's just up there, man. I rarely have seen a guy with that kind of release, that effortless, effortlessly, and in motion. Like he can let it go at full speed. He can let it go while skating laterally. Like it's ultimately speaking, he's he's got elite talent, and 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 you know Montreal Canadiens fans are not used to elite talent. And I'm not going to go off on a train and be like, this is this is the winger that Montreal has been waiting for. Stéphane Richer, hold on to your pants. Uh, no, no, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying here is he provides an aspect, an electricity that does not exist consistently within the Montreal Canadiens organization because they are a franchise that generally prefers to recruit and develop safe players. And I feel like this was a no-brainer for Marc Bergevin on the draft floor. There were They, they had two guys on their list. I'm going to be honest with you. I have this information. They had two guys on their lists in, 20, in, in, in 2019. It was Cole Caulfield or Alex Newhook. Both of those guys were in my top 10 in 2019. Both of those guys, both of those guys, and if you can even throw in Peyton Krebs right after that, those three guys at 15, 16, and 17, you will not find value like that in this draft this year. They didn't have it last year. This is unique. And the Montreal Canadiens lucked out, just like the Colorado Avalanche lucked out, and just like the Golden Knights lucked out. It is flabbergasting how teams continue to make the same mistake with smaller players. Guys, there is so much more room on the ice. You're worried about the playoffs. You need to worry about getting to the playoffs. And these are guys that get you to the playoffs. Yeah, it might take them a year or two to get used to the playoffs and smaller ice and and, and mature 
and and be quicker and and improve their speed of execution for tighter spacing, sure. But you cannot deny talent in 2021. Talent wins championships. Talent plus effort wins championships. And when you have the two, I don't care if you're 5'7 or 6'9. Uh, Brad Marchand was a leading goal scorer, uh, the, the leading point getter with, uh, with Ryan O'Reilly two years ago. Uh, I believe it was Kucherov and Braden Point, both well under six foot, uh, that led scoring last year for Tampa Bay. So it, it's irrelevant to me. And I feel like Paul Caulfield will bring an aspect to the Montreal Canadiens that most people weren't expecting, and that's balance. And a lot of people forgot that when the lines are balanced, Montreal performs because they get to play the four rollout strategy that they do. By having a Cole Caulfield, though, you have a shooter. So that opens up the, lane, the, the passing lanes for your other players. That's something that the Montreal Canadiens don't do often is utilize shooters. And so for anybody who watched the last few games, most of Nick Suzuki's success has come from the fact that he's, he's decided to shoot the puck more often. He, you know, unleashes one or two shots at the beginning of the game. The defense takes note, backs off, opening up the passing lane. And that's where we've seen both of Toffoli's goals over the last two games. It's exactly the same concept. Cole Caulfield brings about that same aura. When he is on the ice, he will be double covered now. The benefit is Cole Caulfield is an exceptional passer as well. So that'll open up time and space for his other line mates. So when you look at the impact of Cole Caulfield, I'm not simply just looking at his OT goals. That's flashy. That's nice. That's cool. I really appreciate that. But I'm looking at the three posts he's hit in two games. I'm looking at the way he makes the puck move efficiently on a power play. I'm thinking about that, that power play wave with Kakaniemi, Romanov, and, and, and Caulfield at the top end on the second wave. That is the value of this player, and he's 20. There is lots of time to appreciate Cole Caulfield, uh, and the benefit that I give to Habs fans is to be patient. He's not going to be Ovechkin, but you need to be patient because he could have a similar kind of offensive impact. Not overall impact, offensive impact. Now, granted, I don't expect him to score 65 goals. 35 would be nice. And that's it for the Hockey Flow this week. Thanks so much for joining us. Of course, you can continue the action all online. First of all, you can check out our Twitter at the Hockey Flow. That's D-A-H-O-C-K-E-Y-F-L-O-W on Twitter. You can check out at really Adam B. And of course, at the Hockey Expert to get to Marco. I'm Agent Cordero. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll catch you guys, gals, and non-binary pals next week. 